0: Underdog Utes strike first, impressive high-tempo drive. Rising, wheeled out, end zone, throw, fingertip catch, touchdown! Micah Bernard pulling both ways and making a spectacular touchdown reception. Takes the handoff and just waltzes in over the left side. Tavian Thomas rushing touchdown number 21. And terrific blocking up front. Look at (laughs) Covey, weaving his way, look out, Britton Covey accelerates. Can they run him down? No, they can't. Britton Covey, yet another house call as a returner. This one in the Rose Bowl, 97 yards. What a memory in his final game at Utah. The 10. They're going to run play. Rising with some confusion just keeps it. And there, he's still got it! Rising, breaks through! It goes the way to the end zone! Wow! A play the head, confused, ugly looking start has a beautiful conclusion, 62 yards. Looks left, throws end zone, catch made, Marvin Harrison Jr. with a hat-trick. And five catches all year has three touchdowns today. Stroud. Watch it the end zone, jump ball, touchdown, Smith and Jacob! are you kidding me? Oh, my. And the gritty, the gritty dance punctuates it, what a monster game, you can watch this sport forever, you won't see many better games by a wide receiver than this one. 14, Lawrence walking to the end zone, it's Kakaian again, he's got it! What a story from nowhere. Bryson Barnes comes in and leaves Utah to a time touchdown. The clock is at zero, and it's time to break down today's
1: game. This is your U postgame show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Done. Utes at one point leading 14 to nothing, leading 28 to 14. Uh, but fall to Ohio State, final in this one 48 45. A field goal with 11 seconds left with just a 19 yard field goal. Uh, a backup quarterback leading Utah back to tie the game. A wide receiver that Utah couldn't cover. And uh, hands. Um, I tell you what, if you're just a dude sitting back and enjoying football, that's a hell of a game to watch. For a lot of Utah fans, there's a lot of pain right now, though.
3: Incredible. Incredible. Just entertaining, exciting. Uh, I I know that the storylines were – it ended up being a loss, and it's going to be heartbreaking for Utah fans, and it's going to be heartbreaking for this Utah team. But you lose Cam Rising to a nasty shot. He hits his head really hard on the turf goes completely unconscious and one of the images I hate the most in football is when a player goes unconscious and his arms tense up and his feet straighten yeah. out and it's yep. complete unconsciousness and that happened to Cam and my stomach fell out and for just a second you think, I don't even care. I don't even care about the Rose Bowl. I don't care about football. Just let that kid get up and let him be okay. And and for a second it puts it all in perspective and then he walks off the field and he's like, Okay, he's okay. Now get this Back up in and and get the motors running again. And you have just a second where it feels like it might be a Joe Germain situation, a Rose Bowl Joe Germain situation with Bryson Barnes. He comes in, goes 2 2 in air, 23 yards, and throws a touchdown pass. And you're like, this is going to happen. They tie it back up. But I'm telling you, I have never seen anything like Jackson Smith in Jigba and the performance he just put on 15 catches. Three hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns, three five zero. Scotty, have you seen a three hundred and fifty yard performance from a uh, receiver?
2: Not that I can recall. No, no. In
3: in, a, in the Rose Bowl, he just he by the way just shattered every Rose yeah. Bowl record yeah. that was ever put out there. And we talked about Makai Bernard moving out to play the corner position. And this wasn't all on Makai. This is uh, this was I think a full case scenario where. Everybody that was trying to pitch in and do a little bit extra, and, and Makai Bernard included because uh, Mackay was out there. He got beat a couple times. That was a complete abuse of that defensive backfield by Jackson Smith and Jigba. And all you could do is, is, is salute and say, my goodness, son. Yeah. Wow. That was a treat of a performance. I know it's not the best outcome, but he was spectacular.
2: Uh, really was. And, and sometimes you just got to tip your hat and say sometimes the other guys are really good. And that, that was the case. And by the way, uh, a wide receiver can't be a great wide receiver unless he's got a great quarterback. And you saw how great C.J. Stroud is. Uh, he did throw the early interception <laughs> um, to Clark Phillips, but he ends up the night. Thirty-seven of forty-six, five hundred and seventy-three yards, six touchdowns, and one interception.
3: <laughs> so, so you and I did the pre-game show, and we set the number. I think it was one hundred and fifteen or one hundred twenty-five yards rushing. Yeah, that Utah needed to keep Ohio State at to be in this game and potentially win it. They hold Ohio State to one hundred and ten yards rushing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they,
3: I, they, they did it. You know, they they were able to slow up that rushing, but. Ohio State said, screw it. They go to 46 passing attempts, and they just passed this ball all over the field for 573 yards. Wow. What an incredible Ohio State offense. Their their aerial attack, and I thought them losing some receivers might slow it down, and it just didn't. That's no. that's incredible. C.J. Stroud, to your point, a wow. C.J. Stroud with an incredible game and a a very thin Utah defensive backfield looking pretty vulnerable.
2: You know, and and I want to, like, you know, the sad part is, too, I thought Clark Phillips played a really big game tonight. He had some big moments. Uh, You know, obviously the forced fumble uh, on, uh, you know, that that he was able to, you know, that thwarted a drive, the interception in the end zone. I thought he had a big – a big – tackle on third down that forced an Ohio State field goal as opposed to an opportunity for a touchdown. Like, I thought Clark Phillips balled like crazy tonight. But the problem is it was just a it was a tidal wave of yeah. Ohio State offense that just came at Utah.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's a really good point. And I would try to paint the picture of, you know, let's say you're standing in a weight room and you got your arms kind of extended and somebody puts a 45-pound plate on your arms. And you're like, no, oh, that's not bad. And then they come and put another 45-pound plate, and you're like, "No, I can. I'm holding this. It's not terrible." And then they put another 45-pound plate, and you're like, "Oh, this is getting really heavy." And then they put another one, and it's like, "Oh, I can't hold it." And the whole thing breaks. The damn breaks. You just can't hold that much weight. And that's what it felt like for Clark Phillips, and that's what it felt like for that defensive backfield. It, it just, it just continued to roll. And I, and the whole time I'm thinking, "Okay, well it." At some point, Jackson, Smith, and Juba is probably going to show some level of fatigue. <laughs> and there he is in the fourth quarter on that yeah. game-winning drive to get into field goal position, catching uh, another drag route and getting a first down. So definitely a wave of offensive aerial attacks that overwhelmed that Utah backfield.
2: Yeah, it was it – was, uh, I mean – and, and, the, and the thing that was really interesting is just the fact that Utah saw Ohio State just come at them time and time and time again early on, and it felt like, all right, Utah's hanging in there defensively. They only had six plays. Utah got a couple touchdowns. But then there's a, there's a point in the game where it just feels like, and again, I, I always hate hopping on here and being overly critical of hands, but I really felt like in the third and fourth quarters a bit, Utah let the foot off the gas a little bit with the play calling. I felt like they weren't as aggressive as I'd like them to be. And when you feel like a game's turning into a track meet and you realize that, you know, I think it's okay for a coach to concede the fact that we we may not be able to stop these guys. Like, I know we're supposed to play defense. and I know we're supposed to hope and pray <laughs> that we can stop them. But deep down, you need to start calling plays offensively with the thought of we're going to need touchdowns here to win this game. And when Utah had a cushion, it kind of felt like And again, you can tell me I'm completely off base on this. You've forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But it just felt like Utah, just for a moment there in the third and the fourth, there was a a third and four, third and five play where they they ran it. And then on fourth down, they ran a play that I thought should have been the third down play to give them fourth and one. But instead, they had fourth and five and they went for it. Uh, There was... uh, a uh, uh, third and seven where they ran a draw, then set up for the field goal instead. It's just like, hey, man, Ohio State's got it cooking. You get, you're get, you going to have to match.
3: Yeah, you called it. You absolutely called it. And then that stood out to me too, Scotty. Because the first quarter was such a dynamic call. And and actually, to the, all the way to the middle point of the second quarter, it was a dynamic call. You know, you've got quarterback, throwback, double passes, and – You've got beautiful screens drawn up, and it, you're you're running all of these great plays to flick it to the outside and getting it to Britton Covey, and it just felt expanded, unpredictable. It felt volatile, it fe- and, and it also felt like it was sustainable. Like, yeah. oh, wow, yeah. here it goes. Yeah. Let's go. Here, shot, 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 shot. You know, just keep keep doing your thing. And then it was like, all right, now bring the tight ends. Connect them. Uh, we're going to go 13. We want it all connected. Uh, Mackay Bernard, I know you just played defense. Let's get you back behind the quarterback. We're going to run downhill. And and it, 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 you're right. It all kind of packed in, and and it and it felt less unpredictable and and less um, twitchy than the play calls that that kind of started out this game. And and I was hoping they'd keep the pedal down too. And and maybe we're just observing this from the outside. Maybe that's not how it is. I'll, I'll go back yeah. and watch this film. That's a great point. Uh, I'm going to do a film review. It won't be this coming week, um, but it'll be the following week. I'm going to do a film review and and really give Utah fans some insight on it. But that's. I I felt the same way you felt, Scotty.
2: Yeah, and and it was a lit. And it just felt like, you know, if your defense is really cooking and and you're getting stops, I understand that play calling where it's like, okay, you know what? Let's get field goals. Let's keep this a two possession game. Uh, You know, they. Let's just hang in there with these guys, and we're going to be all right. But when you're when you feel like the tide's turning, and your offense just can't seem to, or when your defense just can't seem to get stops, it's like, all right, this is on you, offense, Andy. This is on you, man. Um, we got a we got a third string running back up against one of the best wide receivers in all of college football, and he's and it's looking like it out there. So we're going to have to generate points here on the other end. I mean, I like the fact that. Kyle went for it on that fourth down. I like some of the play calls that they made in the first half and the aggressiveness, especially in that fourth and one that ended up being a touchdown. Um, And I just wish that would have continued on in the second half.
3: I I do too. And I'll even go into the point where Bryson Barnes comes into the game. And I I know that he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He's a deer in headlights. And it's the Rose Bowl, and the score is tied when he comes out onto the field right what yep. no
2: yep when no, he no, came out he's no he's down well so were they down 7 when out, he first no when he first came out they were tied did he have a drive and then uh and then they punted and then ohio state took the lead back yeah cuz he finished the drive that uh of cam risings and then uh and then they punted ohio state went back and took the lead and then when he came out the second time and had the first start of the drive they were down 7
3: okay and and so you know, really tough time for Bryson Barnes to that setting and that time for him to come out and do his thing. But you can't look at this and say, "Oh, well, Cam Rising going down—that was the loss right there for Utah." Because Bryson came out and he did put seven on the board
2: in what
3: what two and a half drives? Then would it be Scotty?
2: Yeah, yeah, two and a half uh, drives. One and a half drives. Yeah,
3: one and a half drives. Yep. So, so he fin—he all he did was finished out that first cam rising drive he went he went hand off hand handoff right they Correct. were off the field and then that next drive he comes out and takes them down the field and scores by the way it was a really nice setup by Britton Covey on that kick return to, to get them or on that return to get them in a good in at least some decent field position for Bryson Barnes to do work but you know, I can't even look at this and, and say, oh, well, if Cam Rising doesn't go down, they win this game because Bryce, it's not like Bryson Barnes lost that game for you. He didn't go out and throw a pick.
2: Yep. No, he can't put that – that guy did everything that was asked of him. And when he was out there, they went and scored a touchdown and tied, and he never saw the ball back again. Yep. Ohio State took it the length of the field. All you needed to do was get a stop um, or and, and get that game into overtime and uh, what was it, about a minute and a half, and Ohio State gets the ball, and there's another issue, I mean, we're talking about the Britton-Covey return for a touchdown, and that's going to get a lot of accolades, but the Utah kick return, uh, uh, kickoff return defense was awful in this game, I mean, just awful, and special teams outside of Britton-Covey has not been good this year for Utah.
3: Yeah, there's been some really brutal moments, the blocked punts stand out as the most obvious and brutal, but they started to fix things and got things running and operating the right way for a, for a while, but you're right, there were some leaks there. But but Britton Covey was fantastic, yeah. at least on that return, and, and you saw how bad he wanted it. He wanted to return that last kick for a touchdown so bad. I was a little bit surprised that that ended up in his hands. I, I thought that – I kind of thought that Ohio State would do everything they could with that kick to keep it out of – Britton Covey's hands, but he had it with that last possession and, and a chance to go run. I know that I, I saw a couple of tweets already come in and said, why wouldn't he go down, take the knee, and give a, a final Hail Mary? Look, you, how would you rather finish that game? Britton Covey scrambling around, trying to find a lane, maybe pitching it back, or Bryson Barnes with a Hail Mary from his own 15? Yeah. <laughs> i would rather it be in britain's hand and him him trying to move around maybe you can get down with two seconds and try to call a whatever the the music city miracle type yeah. play and the throwbacks but you know let let the i think let the game play out right there and you know how bad Britain wanted that I, I feel terrible for him He he played so hard in that game
2: yeah he really did and and honestly, I think there could have been some more opportunities uh, for him and the, and this offense. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get to the post game press conferences coming up a little bit later on. Uh, hopefully, we get a little bit more of an update on uh, Cam Rising. And and as we mentioned at the beginning of the pregame show, hey, it's just a really really unfortunate. Uh, just trying to keep a play alive and and doing everything he can uh, to extend the play and doesn't take a hit per se from a player just. That back of the head whiplashes and hits the hits hits the uh, hits the field, and and uh, boy, it was a scary moment as you mentioned with the legs and the arms locking up at this point.
3: And in modern day football, as soon as you see that, it's it's done for the kid now. It's and and really, I don't know. You even go back into the '90s it, when a guy went out like that, it was very rare to see them come back in a game, it, regardless of how teams handled concussions back then. When you saw a dude smash his head, eyes roll back, body go stiff, you typically didn't see him return. So as soon as that happened, it was, number one, who cares about football, hope he's okay. Then you see he's okay. and Number two, it was, there's no chance he's coming back into this game. If he did, all hell would break loose. First of all, as a parent, if, I, if that's my son, he's a quarterback, and I'm seeing him stiff out on a field, stretched out and unconscious and i see a coach put my kid back in that game we're we're getting lawyers and there's going to be a really ugly fight because that's not protecting my kid yeah and and that is a scary moment as a parent it's weird scotty i didn't as a player i didn't used to feel this way as a player yeah I I, i just but as I have kids and I've is, got a daughter the dad coming out
2: of you a little bit, it, it, you think it is
3: you know, it's kids. And I, I've got a daughter that's playing college volleyball. And I've got a son that's starting to come up in the world of football. And I've got another daughter who's a junior in high school and she's playing volleyball. And, and it, if I see them get hurt, it's a totally different level of fear. Back when we played Scotty, it was like we're invincible. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll yeah. be fine. Put me back out there. Now it's like you better not mess with my kids long term health. and so they needed to be conservative and they did it was the right thing to do but i thought barnes came in and, and did like you mentioned everything they asked they didn't ask him to pass it in that series when he came in maybe they should have maybe that goes back to some of your earlier comments of well did they kind of close it down a little bit too early but man i'm glad cam rising's okay that is some really good news At least he was okay as he came off the field and into the tent. That's the last time we had an opportunity to see him.
2: Yeah, it wasn't carted off, which is always certainly a good sign. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I think it was good to uh, certainly take the helmet away and say, yeah, I understand. It's a big moment. But here's the thing. I mean, Utah did everything they needed to do offensively. Um, You know, they they went down and scored a touchdown to tie the game. At the end of the day, this was not about Utah's offense. They got the points they needed. Uh, If you would have told me before the game that Utah is going to score 45 points in this game, I'm saying that's a W. Utah wins this game because there's no way on this green earth I think they give up 48 points, 300 and some odd yards to one wide receiver, six touchdowns, and over 570 yards passing to the quarterback. I just don't see that happening. I mean, I thought they'd have a big day, but you and I put the magic number at uh, less than 30. If Utah could hold uh, Ohio State to under 30 points, well, (laughs) <laughs> 48 I didn't think was in the realm of possibility but but not, that's where we with right the
3: players now. that not with the players no. that had opted out not no. a chance yeah. so many players that opted out of this game it gave you a lot of hope that uh that Utah could be in this game hey by the way Scotty um so I'm at this little wing shack it's literally right across the street from the stadium Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played called the game earlier tonight and yeah and uh, came over to the Wing Shack, and a big shout-out to the management here. They've let me come back in their office. <laughs> Are you serious?
2: I love it. Yeah. They put me back in their office. Tell me they're and, bringing some cookies and brownies to you, too.
3: Uh, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to give the name of the place because,
2: uh, you, you
3: know, I don't want there to be any violations or anything, but I've got a big plate of wings right here in front of me, and they have been very hospitable and and very kind to of me. Good I people here in Florida.
2: You know what? Really good people in Florida. Yeah, Weird are. people sometimes they get a bad yeah. rap, but yeah. boy, but overall genuinely good people. Yes. W-
3: when they go rogue in Florida, they
2: really <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right. So uh, all right. So another topic I want to get to here, hands. Um, Utah ends the game with three timeouts in their back pocket. Um, should Utah and, and there's a little, there's there's a lot of people getting a little grumpy. The Kyle didn't try to save time on that last drive to try to get another opportunity for his offense, especially when uh, when Ohio State was trying to line up and, uh, and kick the field goal, uh, when it was essentially a glorified extra point. I, I'm kind of with the fans on this one a little bit. Uh, you don't take those timeouts with you when you die. Um, I, 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 gotta, I, I need to go back and watch it again and kind of chart when they should have used those timeouts. But to to get the ball back with nine seconds left when Ohio State was killing the time late that that was a that was a kick in the in the gut for sure.
3: Well, you're more of a time management guy than I am. I think you're actually yeah really good with clocks and and good with time management. I know that that really stands out to you. And and sometimes I I get caught in different modes. I'm just watching some of the scheme and what the teams are doing, and I, I get lost in it. So. I'm not overly familiar with what's kosher or what's expected in those moments for time management from a coach with, with all of those thoughts in mind, it does feel a little bit wasted Yeah, that the clock ran and that those timeouts uh, hung up on the board.
2: I, all right. So I'm just looking at the uh, the play by play here. So, Um, Henderson has a run to the Utah 23 for a first down. Uh, That's with 59 seconds left in the game. Utah does not call a timeout there. Uh, C.J. Stroud pass down to the 11 with 36 seconds left. That's when I start, even though that's still a little late, I probably call the timeout when it's down inside the 23, because that's especially with their field goal kicker. That's a that's a makeable field goal. That's that's forty yards. This dude has been automatic. Um, That's the point where I'm like, okay, now I need to start burning timeouts. And if if anything else too, it uh, it uh, it it forces Ohio State to maybe be a little bit more conservative. Uh, Stroud with the pass down to the eleven. You certainly need to start calling timeouts there. And then Henderson with twenty six seconds takes it down to the Utah two. And then Ohio mm. State calls the timeout with 12 seconds because they're like, you don't have any time to do anything at this point. So I would say uh, I would not use them until probably that 59-second mark um, because at that point you you say, all right, we're going to concede the field goal, but <laughs> but hopefully have enough time for our guys to get downfield and maybe with a big Covey return we can uh, get a couple of passes and then have a chance to send this thing into overtime with a field goal.
3: Yeah yeah that um that's probably going to be an area that will will need to be addressed in the post game i'm hoping that one of our guys from our station while they're sitting out there that is (laughs) i know you don't like to to dig too deep in those post game pressers because you don't want to set anybody off and get that sound bite but uh Hey, what was your mindset when you had those three timeouts and the clock was going down? I don't think that's an unfair question to ask the coaching staff um, at, at this point, just to get their, get their philosophy, what they were thinking. You know, you've, you've got a backup quarterback where they thinking, oh, we might need those for this situation, or who knows what was on their mind. I, I would love to get their, uh, their perception of that moment because I, I really tend to give Andy Ludwig and Kyle Whittingham and, and those staffs. I tr- I try to give them much more credit than what I have vision of the game, but it sure feels like those timeouts should have been used. And sometimes Coach Whittingham will come right out and be like, "Hey, we, we messed up."
2: Yeah, he's
3: he's done it many times. Hey, we messed up. No 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 way should we have left those timeouts on the on the board. We should have used them. And I could see him saying that as well.
2: So yeah, that's uh, and again, that's that's going to be a kick to the uh, uh, to the gut, um, and and I'm sure you'll probably hear something along the lines of, well, you know, when a team's a, you know gets big positive yards on first down, it's hard to consider using the timeouts. But at some point, you got to use them. I mean, they're, they're you know you, you can't take them with you when you're gone. So mm-hmm. I I understand the philosophy and getting caught up into it, but. But my goodness, it was a – that was a – you you, you hate seeing that situation because you want to give your offense just one more crack at things.
3: Yeah, you don't want that clock to be at 9 or 11 seconds or whatever it was when Britton Covey attempts to take that kick back. But. Utah, there is not a lot to be ashamed about, no. you know, other than Jackson Smith and Jibba in his 350 yards and three touchdowns. That that one is going to sting because there's going to be a lot of people in that backfield room kind of looking around like, oh, geez. How'd that guy get loose so many times? How did he break so many tackles? Uh, you know, there were a lot of broken tackles, and, and so they'll have to answer for that. But this team has a lot to be proud of in this game. And I'll tell you, Scotty, I'm sitting in this wing shack watching this game with, I don't know, there's probably 200 people that are in this giant wing shack across the street from Raymond James Stadium. And I'm—I'm—and it's all Penn State and Arkansas fans. Yeah. And I'm just kind of sitting there as a silent observer watching this game and trying to analyze it, getting ready for postgame. And I was listening to people. And they're talking about Utah's toughness, and they're they're oohing and on on Cam Rising, some of Cam Rising's passes because there was a streak of, like, four offensive series where he was Mr. Automatic and just, bam, bam, on time, gunning it, getting it out of his hand, avoiding the pressure, and marching down the field. And I was listening, and you could tell penn state arkansas fans they by the way they were fully engaged i mean yeah. it's they had their wings they were all locked up on the screens and and everybody was cheering and going nuts you know they had just gotten out of their game and i could tell that they were engaged and they got they had a lot of respect for that utah team now obviously when ohio state came back and won it and at the end everybody was kind of like oh yeah oh yeah okay you know yeah but yeah it definitely pulled those uh, you know i I'd, I'd say outside the the world of utah fans in and and it was a very entertaining game and utah has a lot to be proud of in it
2: uh i want to um i want to be careful how i ask this cuz it's probably not a fair question cuz i know that you're a very uh um I, I know you want to be really careful with your opinions and go back and watch a lot of film and and rewatch the game several times uh before you make any kind of big statements but did Ohio State do some certain things to take Devin Lloyd out of this game? Because you didn't hear his name called a lot. And I know sometimes that's not fair to say because sometimes a guy plays well, but in a way in which you don't hear his name, get called a lot. So, so I always want to be careful talking about it. But, but Devin, Devin's name did not come up quite a bit tonight.
3: Devin had a lot of zone responsibilities. And because of the the passing nature of Ohio State, I think they were asking him to patrol the middle in in a zone setting quite a bit. And because there were so many passes that were getting behind that first line of zone, I I do feel like he was neutralized a bit. But I will say that outside of them calling Devin Lloyd, I definitely watched him make some big plays. I I don't have the tackle sheet in front of me. I, I don't know what his... Actual numbered production is.
2: I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to pull it up here, and all of a sudden I'll realize that he ended up with like 20 tackles or something. Well, I,
3: um, I saw I saw him in on quite a few, uh, and and cleaning up some runs, but they did really push him back quite often in in a uh, in a zone, some type of a zone yeah. or some type of cross between zone and manning up on any type of tight end that would release so he was in on those duties quite a bit
2: well and the other thing too that I think you have to be really careful about is is I kept hearing people on Twitter just losing their minds about a lack of a pass rush. well the problem is is when you when when you're getting gouged like Utah was through the air, well you can't you can't bring eight you know you can't have a you know a, a, a zero blitz. When, and man up on these guys when these wide receivers are torching you. you got to give some support to your defensive backs. So it, yeah. I thought Utah was kind of a, in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation defensively.
3: Yeah, they were. And he, on first watch, I felt like they may have been giving a little bit too much respect to C.J. Stroud's scrambling ability. Scotty, is C.J. Stroud known for getting out no. of the pocket?
2: No, I think that one run that he had for 14 yards was like one of his longest runs of the season. He is not a runner at all. Let me see. uh, In fact, let me pull up his rushing. Uh, CJ Stroud, uh, 31 carries minus 30 yards. So that means he's been sacked a lot, and they count those as carries. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's Uh, not a rusher. I
3: kind of felt like in in some of the rushing, I I saw them bump and set in – in, in an effort to, to crawl or can push him to the pocket. So there were, and, and, and by the way, it's really difficult to differentiate between the, the bump and set to control lane and the yeah. bump and set to put your hands up and close down windows on, on certain uh, passing areas. Basically you're running a zone defense with an outside linebacker that's jamming into a tight end or tackle and then stepping into a window and trying to cloud it with his hands. So I saw some of that that would take a, a maybe a, pot, a potential productive rusher or productive blitzer out of, of that push to get the rush. But that had to be by design for something. Yeah. They saw something that, you know, required them to do that. And then Ohio State's offensive line showed up. They, they played a, a big boy game too.
2: By the way, Devin Lloyd, four tackles tonight, hmm. three solo, and a couple of halves in there, too. So, uh, yeah, a little um, a little surprising. But but to, but to your point, too, I mean, I think it's important to go back and, and watch the game several times and, and kind of look at how they were using him because sometimes, you know, you don't see guys pop up on the stat sheet like, oh, he didn't have a good game. And then you go back and like, oh, well, actually, he was doing this and this and being asked to do this as well. So uh, I think that's important to uh, throw that out there
3: yeah he really had he he had all kinds of passing duties and 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 coverage responsibilities and I think with this kind of the the lack of corners the lack of dbs that they felt like they could really trust, I feel like he was pushed back into coverage more than I've seen and not allowed or not able to be taken out of that coverage onto certain blitzes because he's the second leading sacker on this team and he i think he ranks in the top 50 in sacks i think he's at nine and a half or something like that he's definitely a guy you wanted to get involved in producing the pressure pressure but he's also a guy you really couldn't take out of coverage you know you had Karini reed the freshman out there who had a really nice pass breakup in the end zone nearly a pick yeah i was i was hoping Karini reed could come down with that but Really, Devin Lloyd has had so much weight heaped on him in passing duties.
2: You, uh back to Barnes here a little bit. You surprised that he was the number two, and Jaquindon Jackson wasn't the first guy uh, to get the nod coming off the sideline.
3: Oh. Jaquin, right now, Jaquindon Jackson is just going to be a wildcat player, and I think that Jaquindon Jackson is on his way to as much of a defensive transformation as maybe Makai Bernard is. Okay. And so I'm wondering how much quarterback preparation he's actually had. And I have to believe that Utah, through the the last couple weeks, getting ready for this game, started to prepare and and looked around and thought, all right, so if there's a problem, what are we going to do? Well, we'll find a guy that can hand off the ball reliably, and can at least deliver, can at least deliver on a quick slant, and an eight-yard drag, <laughs> and yeah. and that's what you got in Barnes. Now he he did show that over-the-top inside shoulder pass. Was it Kincaid that he hit in the end zone?
2: Uh yes.
3: It was Dalton. So really well placed pass, but I I think that that comes down to feels like. Jackson might be making a defensive transition, and that would have just been a wildcat offense if he was in.
2: All right, we're going to take a first break as we continue on with your postgame show. Utah suffering a tough one tonight, 48-45 in their first ever appearance in the Rose Bowl. Utes led 35-21 at halftime and then outscored 27-10 in the second half. Lose by three on the last... Uh, Uh, with a field goal with just 11 seconds left to go in the game uh, as Ohio State rallies and gets the win over the Utes. Take a quick break, come back. We'll continue on with your Ute postgame show. Utes lose this one 48-45 right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. First-ever Rose Bowl, 48-45. to 45. Tough one, uh, tough bitter pill for, I know, a lot of Utah fans to swallow. Hopefully you're back in this game before too long, but uh, losing the game and uh, losing a game that you were up 14 nothing early on and led by 14 at the break and had 35 points in the board and can only muster 10 in the second half. Uh, that, that's going to uh, – let's just say that's not right up there with uh, – With Britton Johnson blowing a 10-point lead in the second half against Kentucky in the national championship game. But uh, this one's going to stink for a bit.
3: (laughs) What? Did you just put all that on (laughs) Britton?
2: No, I'm sorry. I just know Britton's probably listening.
3: (laughs) Oh, man. I know. This is going to be such a painful one for so many Utah fans. It was just... It was right there. and Everything felt good. The it momentum did. felt good, and the offensive game plan felt so good. Thirty-five points and a half against Ohio State. You're looking like Michigan out there, and things are just feeling right. And and then the, the wheels come off. There was a bit of a. It felt like a shift to conservative, uh, conservative style, and you know, you you took a breath maybe a little bit too early, and oh, man. I just feel terrible for the Utah fans that I know that this thing means so much to them. And and I know that this is going to really, really be a long one, long, tough one to get over.
2: Yeah, you're you're losing some guys. I mean, you know, it it is what it is. You're losing uh, Britton Covey, Nick Ford. I mean, you go across the board, uh, Devin Lloyd. There's some guys that are but I still think there's a ton of really good young talent on this team. And uh right now, with the transfer portal being the way that it is, you can get uh you can get good in a hurry too so uh or you can i mean utah's already good you can you can reload really really quickly with some really good talented players because I think there's no reason why Utah shouldn't be in the mix uh again before it's all said and done coming up next season. they're right there,
3: yeah, and it feels like their talent is it is where it needs to be, yeah uh. I don't have many fears or concerns that Utah will be competitive for the next three or, or four years because of the talent that we're seeing come in and this last recruiting class was very good. And going back two years ago to that recruit recruit class was fantastic. And so I think that they're going to be just fine. And we know that Dalton Kincaid's coming back and Brent Keithy's coming back. And those are two primary targets. They, it would be nice to be able to find a, a wide out so when Cam Rising comes back, he's got something to hit on the outside. And that's not a shot at Vale and, and that's not a shot at Ennis, but you need a they bunch of them. Yep. But they weren't what you needed. That They weren't everything that you needed on the outside. And you're going to be losing Britton Covey, so you do need to find some production on the outside. Defensively, I do think you're going to be just fine. I think that you've got some outstanding youth. Karini Reed, we saw with that pass breakup. Um, Cole Bishop we saw with a couple of big hits there in the first half of the game right there on the sideline. One of them sent a guy rolling over and reeling in pain because uh, Cole Bishop hit him so stinking hard. So we know that they are, are going to be in good hands. Um, Xavier Carlton, I think we'll see him grow and become something incredible. Van Fillinger – we watched him as a young guy out on a Rose Bowl field, and he's got talent galore. The other good news is it's it feels like it's becoming more and more apparent that Kyle Whittingham is stabilizing as the head coach there and, and kind of some of the early rumblings that he could potentially seek retirement. It feels like that m- might be going away, and I know of at least two coaches – when things started to shake in the Pac 12 with job openings yeah i know of at least two coaches that got job offers but turned them down um, um and 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 i'm not saying the head the head job yeah um i'm just saying that there were opportunities out there and so the, of of two that i know there's probably four four others that might have got some type of phone call and a potential opportunity and and they've stayed. I don't see any of the staff leaving right now. Well, I, I feel like everybody's. Let, let me what let
2: get? me cut you let me cut you off there real quick because Bruce Feldman just tweeted out, um, says source, can confirm USC has strong interest in Utah running back coach Kill McDonald for the Trojan running back coach vacancy. Hmm. So apparently, according to Bruce Feldman, and it was first reported by. Adam Rittenberg, that uh, USC may be making a run at Kill McDonald for that USC running back job. Well,
3: USC might be a school that could come in and get killed, but one thing that Utah has as an advantage right now is to show longevity and consistency. Yeah. And. You could go to Keel and you could say, all right, how much are you going to make, Keel? And he'll say, well, they're giving me a two-year contract and I'm going to be making 500000 a year. So that's a million dollars. And you could say, all right, so you got a million dollars that you're guaranteed and you probably have coaching change. Well, I don't know. Lincoln Riley might do something great. Uh, he might just be dead money in a few years. I don't, I don't know. It's USC. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of lay it out there as – hey, well, we want you here, and we're going to keep you here, and we retain coaches here, we take care of them, so what do you need? What do you need to feel comfortable? And if at that point he says, look, I just want to be a Trojan, then it's like, nah, yeah, you right. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go, go on ahead. Go be a Trojan, and, uh, and go enjoy that success while you got it because it's not going to last long. It just doesn't. <laughs> it hasn't with USC. It's been a constant turnover for – quite a while at least it feels like what ever since Pete Carroll left has there been a coach that's lasted more than six years five years
2: Uh, well clay Helton had a little bit of a run but it was uh, always mired with when's he gonna get fired so
3: was clay in the five-year period
2: I think clay got five years there I'm not sure PK might know but uh, Patrick Kinahan joining us live from Pasadena at the Rose Bowl Utes led by 14 early led by 14 at the break uh, but ultimately, dropped this game forty-eight uh, forty-five. I think that you may have a um, you may have something in common now with with uh, Utah fans, PK. You know what it's like to give up a late drive for a game-winning score and a game-losing score to Ohio State in a Rose Bowl.
1: Gosh, I hate them, Scotty.
2: <laughs> I know you do. I know you do.
4: <laughs> hey, and I heard you guys talking about McDonald maybe going at SC. Well, let me tell you, man. If he wants to go, let him go. Because I'm on a Michigan man coaching Michigan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, with that said, where did things uh, defensively? Uh, you saw probably one of the greatest wide receiver performances in uh, in bowl season history. Frankly, in college football history. Uh, talk about what Utah was unable to do defensively to try to – was it just the, the fact that they just didn't have any depth in that backfield?
1: Well, as Kyle said, you know, three of their four top uh, DBs were
5: out. And, I mean, they, they played a running back, at cornerback. I mean, come on. <laughs> and that
1: that's, and, I, and, I, and I mentioned that in the pregame with you, that I had heard that uh, Bernard was going to play corner, right, if you recall that. I didn't say that because I heard that, that that was going to be the case. And it's like, wow, that's how desperate you are. He's playing a position that he had in place in high school, obviously. And they just didn't have enough. And plus, I mean, they really struggled to get a pass rush. And I thought Shroud was just absolutely brilliant. Because a couple times, man, particularly on those corner routes in the end zone, those dudes were covered. But he's putting the ball on that outside shoulder and just placing it in there. I believe, and I, and I checked it with Kyle, you guys should be getting the audio soon, that this was the best quarterback that this team had faced, this program had faced, since Justin Herbert a couple of years back, right? I don't think there's any question about that. He was just sensational. And Kyle says he he goes by the ESPN ranking of quarterbacks what all that rating stuff is, and they had him number one in the country. And he thinks that's the most accurate rating system, and he felt that – yeah, we saw why this kid was that good. He was just unbelievable. And when you think about it, Pac-12 this year in terms of quarterbacks and passing, it sucked. So none of these guys were ever tested, right? They just had no worries about playing pass coverage to that degree with that type of talent. And here we saw a top receiver, Marvin Harrison's son, and a great quarterback. And they just had no answer. It was a miserable defensive effort. You can't spin it any other way.
3: PK, did anybody ask uh, Coach Whittingham at the podium about leaving three timeouts on the board?
1: Yes. Yes. He felt that Ohio State had used two timeouts. So using his timeouts was just aiding Ohio State. So it was a gamble. Hmm. And they couldn't stop him. You know, I, geez. Uh, you know, I asked. I thought about going for two there, <clears throat> but really what would have mattered because yeah. Ohio State would have just come down anyway. Maybe try an outside kick or something because <clears throat> the kickoff uh, team sucked. And Ohio State got the ball. I don't remember the exact yard line, but they got the ball in great position. Uh, and at that point, you knew, okay, there's plenty of time for them to get a field goal. Utah's defense is just on life support. Uh, so, yeah, he debated that, but he felt like at that point he would just be aiding Ohio State. In retrospect, I mean, you could say you should have used him, but would it have made any difference? <laughs> I guess it would have left you with more time, but you're going to ask your walk-on quarterback from some dink town I've never even heard of to win the ballgame for you? Hey, hey, to hey, hey, hey that's,
2: that's Milford. What? Milford, Milford.
1: <laughs> well, you're going to ask some walk-on quarterback from a dink town I never heard of to win the ballgame for you? <laughs> There's a
2: there's a there's a there's a big pig farm down there. Whenever you uh, whenever you get uh, your ribs at Costco, it's probably coming through Milford. Just a heads up. On it.
1: <laughs> you farmer man, you just can't take the farmer
5: out of you too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I love you guys for that. <laughs> pig farms. I never thought of pig farms <laughs> in my life, man. <laughs> Dude,
3: it's just so natural to me. Like, I'm like, hey, w- what's unique about it? Like it comes from I know, a I, know. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. That's the Idaho boys. Just uh, they've got something in common besides women and it's animals.
2: <laughs> all right. You didn't need to say it quite like that, but uh, all right. So, <laughs> so uh, obviously, uh, emotions high. I mean, Britton Covey played – you know, look, he had a tremendous first half and, and did everything he could. It's, it's kind of weird to say it, but the career's over for that young man.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you heard the postgame, but he talked about how he was asked about that, and he choked up. He didn't want to take the pads off. Uh, loved the team, loved the program, loved the university, and then he couldn't speak there for a little bit. Uh, he was asked some other questions after that and he composed himself, but hey, you look at it, we've all had a time, right? We all had a time when we wore that uniform for the last time. For me, it was baseball, and it was a year out of high school, right? So I played one year out of high school, and I can just remember that last inning. This is it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we have some incredible rally, this is it. I mean, that's a low level compared to – to what he's done, but you've seen pros get all sorts of emotional, and they're playing at the highest level, so uh, I hopefully for him, he can continue to play, but he'll never be a youth again, as far as an active player, so you get it, he's a phenomenal player, and what a joy it was to watch him play, and do the things that he did, my great timing, I went to the bathroom, so I actually missed the kick return live,
0: <laughs> oh wow, <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a score, right? So you hustle to the bathroom, and uh, so I'm in the bathroom doing my thing. They got the in the Rose Bowl, they got sound pumped in, and you start hearing it. And uh, I'm not going to rush this; I'll just relax. He'll get tackled, and then he takes it all the way. And of course, within seconds, you can see everything uh, to be able to get the whole, the entire uh, gist of it. But yeah, that was just just amazing. I mean, what a representative for this program. Britton Covey sums up everything that really is fine about Utah, taking these underdeveloped kids and overlooked kids and blossoming them into stars.
3: PK, did you get any updates on Cam Rising? He goes out with that being knocked out, and and there was some of concern. Was he at the podium, and what did he have to say?
1: Uh, Kyle said that he thought that the kid would be okay that whatever it was, it was in the moment. And, you know, that's preliminary, but that's what he said up on the stand that that's what it was about. And it was about, uh, you know, he hit his head there. We all saw that and all that stuff. Uh, But he didn't think that it was anything serious during his podium press conference. Well,
2: that's good. Um, How about um, the fact that, you know, with with Utah – given up so many points, and you felt like that tidal wave of that Ohio State offense was starting to cruise. Did you feel like they let the foot off the gas a little bit, maybe in the third and fourth quarter, offensively? Uh,
1: I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard for me to draw criticism when I just watch a game like that. Yeah, now, granted, I've gotten older, so I've gotten softer. Uh, you, you know, each kid, in my mind, left it all out there. And they came up short. They didn't have enough. I mean, if you're required to score every possession, you're going to lose. And yeah, yeah. Should they have scored a uh, touchdown instead of a field goal to go up 10 there? Uh, well, yeah, maybe so. Because, you know, that would have put pressure on Ohio State to have to score a touchdown. If my math is correct, which it probably isn't. But they probably would have scored a touchdown because they got down to the two-yard line, I think, before they kicked the field goal anyway. You know what I mean? So I just think that in the state that they were in defensively, there was absolutely nothing that they could do. And the pressure was on completely. And this offense is good, but is it 55 points good? <clears throat> I mean, that's just not usually what a Whittingham offense is about. And that's you know, that's basically what you're asking them to do. And they couldn't get it done, but they put, well, they didn't put 45 on because of the situation with Covey's return. I think one of the things that was extremely unfortunate is the, the punt muff on the snap. I mean, from my vantage point, that thing was right in his hands, And he dropped it, yep. right?
0: Yep,
1: yep. yep. I mean, maybe two, maybe you're just having Ohio State, instead of going on an 11-yard drive, they went on a, Seventy-yard drive, or wherever it was that they took the ball over, because uh, you know, that's just the way it was there. So it, it just couldn't do a thing. So, and you can look this or that,
0: and you
1: know, to me, do something, send the house on Shroud, because whatever you're doing certainly wasn't working. Yeah,
3: yeah it, it, it didn't. It, just, it was really tough for them to get there and get the pressures. We were talking about Devin Lloyd and his four-tackle performance, and the, the, he was put in so many scenarios where he was dropping into zones and responsible for pass coverages and locking on men. And I thought Ohio State did a really good job of driving Devin Lloyd into those coverages and, and trying to keep him at bay and not being the, the pass rusher that he's he's been so right. steadily throughout the year. I thought Ohio State did right. a really good job of – Forcing him to pay attention to some of those routes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I was told before the game that because of the deficiencies in the backfield, particularly at the corners, that they're going to have to play a lot of zone, which is going to require those things that you just said. And so that's what happened. And he didn't have an impact on the game that we normally expect. So I guess you can second guess that to a degree,
0: uh,
1: but who knows if you would have done this, would that have happened Would the desired effect have resulted? You know, I can't, I can't specifically say you can sit here and wonder, but you know, they made it to the Rose bowl. They, they made a step and now they got to go get better and see if they can get back here and, and, and try to win. I mean, so at some point, sometime in their future, I don't know when, they're going to get here and they're going to win it. They came up three points short
3: tonight. Uh, PK, I wanted to ask you, there was a lot of talk and attention with the amount of Utah fans that were going to make the trip to the Rose Bowl. I didn't have an opportunity. The full stadium pan, I, I, I just was watching the game and I just didn't see – How were the Utah fans? Did they make it a home crowd? Did you feel like there were 60,000 in there? Give us a breakdown of of what you thought of the the Utah fans.
1: So the crowd's 87,000. right? That's what they listed, 87 and change. And I think it was close. My sister, you know, she she has had a long-term relationship with a dude who went to Ohio State. A little insight. Another reason why I hate the Buckeyes, but there's more <laughs> than that. I'm like, oh, oh right
2: uh, <laughs> I have an answer there. And, uh,
1: and so they came over from Phoenix. I got them tickets, right? And they came over from Phoenix. And uh, they stayed in Pasadena. The Media Hotel and the teams stayed downtown uh, just by the in Crypto or Lane whatever it's called now, or the Lakers, Clippers, and Kings play, right? But my, my sisters stayed. Fantastic! Just two blocks off Colorado Boulevard. We were down there this morning watching the parade. I treated a bunch of hopefully stuff that people enjoyed on the parade, right? And so yesterday um, they went around town. We went down. We went down to that restaurant, Scotty, up on Hermosa, where you sit up on the top. Where I took you. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and because it was the sun was out, was a little breezy yesterday, but they had heaters, so. We went down with a good friend of mine and his wife. You know them well. And uh, <laughs> enjoyed enjoyed that down there by Hermosa, right? Not San oh, Bernardino,
2: but Hermosa. Okay. Just
1: joking. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And you get me off track here. You lose my train of thought. Remember it. we the glory days. And so... um, My sister stayed in Pasadena, and they just walked around uh, the downtown area, and she was texting me. and She says, my gosh, what is going on? This place is just Utah Central. She said, I feel like, except for the weather, I am in downtown Salt Lake City. Now, this is someone uh, who – she went to college in uh, New Jersey and got her master's and doctorate from Arizona State. So, I mean, she's a sports fan. She got Cardinal season tickets, uh, but doesn't really know a whole lot about Utah, right? And she just said the town was just flooded. And I told them today, I said, I got the tickets through Utah. I paid for them and all that. And, uh, and to make a little money, I charged my sister like 25 bucks extra at each ticket. She'll never have any like idea. It. But I figured it was like a it. service charge. You know, I can make some money off of it. Um, but anyway, I told them, I said, that you'll be in the Utah section. And he looked at me and said, I think the whole, the whole stadium is going to be the Utah section. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you're probably right. So with that in mind, you know, what were you going to do as far as that goes? Uh, it was the Utah section. They turned out. They always turn out. I think they've got – BYU gets a lot of run for traveling and having a great crowd, and that's true. I've been on the road with BYU a million times over. But the youth were there, too showed up. They showed up in force.
2: Well, PK, uh, you know a little bit about trying to recover from a Rose Bowl loss. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know what, just get back on that horse and get after it again next year, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Sorry, that, I mean, that, was, is...
2: that was inappropriate on my part. I apologize. I shouldn't have done
1: that. <laughs> well, I mean, you and your animal references, it's one after another. Uh, the, the program's in a good state. South Division sucks. So you're going to be a contender next year. You know, who knows what's yeah. going to happen? Lincoln Riley's going to need some time before he builds that thing. And hopefully the Sun Devils come to their senses and send uh, Herm Edwards on the other side of town to Sun City and get some young, dynamic dude in there. But everybody else, I would know, so Kelly, he wanted Oregon. Uh, that's you know, great. But what's he doing here? Yeah, and this is a stadium that, uh, you know, you take three games to get the size of the crowd that was here today. So Utah's going to be in the thick of things next year. So, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. But I, as I'm a youth fan, you know, I'm despondent in the moment. But that's about it. I try to go big picture on this. And your program's in a good spot. You came up three points short in, in a situation where, you know, you were playing a walk-on quarterback at the end of the game there. Uh so regroup, get back at it, get in the weight room, and, and start going to work, man. And Whittingham was asked about all that, and you talked to me earlier about retirement. And well, let's see, this Mr. Poker Face, and if he is, I'm taking him to Vegas. He sure didn't sound like the guy who was calling it quits tonight after the game.
2: Oh, I, I don't think the way that one ended, I don't think he's I, – I, I think that that makes it burn even a little bit more. I'd be like to, to get that close and to have it right there. Yeah. 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 Hey. Yeah, exactly. You, and I know you asked the question, and and I've read the kind of the answer on, on his response. But had it been like they instead of scoring that touchdown with a buck twenty or buck thirty, uh, considering it's a backup quarterback, let's say they score that touchdown with fifteen seconds, do you think they go for two?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah,
2: I do too. I do too. Uh, he
1: said with under one minute, they go for two. Oh,
0: okay. And I
1: thought so. I'm on the field at the time. And I'm thinking, you got to go for two, got to go for
2: two. But what would it have mattered? There was no, too much time
1: for Ohio State.
2: Yeah, I'm just to... trying to pick the brain of Kyle Whittingham here a little bit. on. How
1: he oh, he was but... going for two. Yeah, okay. I mean, we've seen it. I saw it at yeah. the Coliseum a few years back when he had that impressive drive. And I was standing next to Jimmy Soto. He used to work for Utah, the great basketball guard for the Utes. And I'm telling him, I said, you got to go for two. And he oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, no, you have to in this situation, and they did, and Troy Williams came up a foot short. You know, I think he had somebody in the back of the end zone. I don't remember who it was. But he put his head down and tried to make a play, and he came up like a foot of getting in the end zone for two. So I don't think there's any question that Kyle was going to go for two and because we saw that he was more than willing to go for it on fourth downs. You don't come this far to only come that far. I mean, and that you know, that's one of your leaders said that somewhere. I saw that somewhere. I know you guys listen. To those guys, uh, yeah. Pun intended, religiously.
2: I like it. Well, PK, appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming, uh, stopping by. Enjoy the rest of your time down there in California, and uh, maybe swing by the great campus of Cal State Dominguez Hills or something. <laughs> <like
4: that>. Yeah, <laughs> I saw the forecast. I'll see you guys around uh,
1: January fifteenth.
2: There you go. Sounds good. Thanks, BK. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. See you, guys.
2: There you go. Patrick Kinahan right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, hands, you know, he referenced a little bit about the retirement talk. Losing this game in which the way Utah lost it, I think, I don't know. Look, with Kyle, you never know, but I got to think we may be slamming the door shut on any retirement talk for a while, right?
3: That's how it's feeling. We'll, we'll keep our ear down and, and keep listening, but it does feel like that whole thing is stabilized.
2: It just feels like, and, and especially the way this one got away from him and getting a taste of it and being so close to winning at that kind of, this kind of game, I got to imagine, like, you know what? And this is still, I mean, look, I know there's some notable departures, but this is still overall a pretty young team. I mean, there's some really good young talent on this team uh that i think has an opportunity to really develop into something special before it's all said and done
3: and and, of uh, about it.
2: yeah and just add a few little pieces along the way uh from the transfer portal off you go all right uh all right joining us now from kslsports.com trevor allen kind enough to join us trevor how you
4: doing man hey trevor oh i'm doing better now i can kind of kick back my my feet and and chill for just a minute and talk to you guys how are you guys doing
2: well, I tell you what—if you're just a college football fan, you don't have a you don't have a, a horse in this fight uh, or a dog in this fight. Um, that was a hell of a game to watch. If you're a Utah fan, I got to imagine, Trevor, you fans are going to take a while to recover from this one. This one hurts a bit.
4: I mean, I, I was saying this when when I was down on the field with with about five minutes to go. I was standing right next to uh, Dalton Kincaid's game tying touchdown catch it was actually really cool and I'm just sitting here just looking at the whole environment and you know as as I'm busy typing things away and trying to keep people up to date who aren't watching the game or listening to the game or anything like that just to keep them you know up to date on this game I just had to sit back for a minute especially at the the half when when there was five touchdowns scored in a matter of three minutes um, just how awesome of a college football game it was no matter who, who you're rooting for it was one of those games, and, you know, it, it's kind of it's crappy to say, but, you know, no one really should have lost in this game, but obviously someone had to, but just how, how fun it was, and I, I watched the two college football playoff games yesterday, and, and this one was above and beyond better than, than both of those put together. Just all in all, just so much fun. The fact that we all get get paid to, to cover things like this, guys, it's, it's, it's truly amazing.
3: Well, it was uh, an incredible game, and right there at the back end of it, Cam Rising gets hurt, and we see Utah have to go to their bench and brought in a guy I don't know how many Utah fans are familiar with, but Bryson Barnes comes in, has one drive that was incredible and and obviously a big moment for Utah. But I wanted to kind of pick your brain on where is – what where is Bryson Barnes from? Give us a little bit of background on Bryson Barnes and, and is he somebody that Utah fans can start to look for maybe come up next spring or was this just a, a quick fix?
4: I honestly think it was a a, a quick fix, but uh, Barnes is from Milford, Utah. Um if 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 those of you who don't know where that is, it's it's near near Beaver. Um, my mom was born and raised in Beaver, so I'm very, very familiar with that area. Um, fun fact, he he raised 12,000 pigs in Milford throughout his life. So, um, you know, definitely one of those uh, country guys um, played at a, at a Milford high school and was just an absolute stud. I mean, he, he would have probably had some power five offers if he would have played in at a, at a bigger school. And, and if it wasn't two A, he absolutely was a standout quarterback. Um, I, to me watching Barnes and just kind of seeing the way the, you know, players react to him and things like that. He's very, he's very similar to a uh, drew Lisk. I mean, if you guys remember um, back, back in 2020 Lisk comes in after uh, Jake Bentley gets benched against Washington state and comes back and leads the charge. I mean, I know a lot of it was Ty Jordan, but, but Drew List came in and did just enough to be able to, to help Utah win that game. And that's what, and that's really similar to what to what Barnes is for this team right now.
2: Do you uh, – what was it uh, about Barnes that gave him the nod over and, – and by the way, I'm not second questioning. Obviously, it's the right call. He did everything that was asked. He went down scored a touchdown. But uh, I think a lot of us assumed Jaquindon Jackson was going to get that nod. What was it about Barnes that, uh, that Kyle Whittingham saw that gave him the nod?
4: I honestly think it's, it's the fact that, that you needed someone with, with more of an arm is, is my guess because Kyle Whittingham said after the game that uh, that Barnes was, was number two on the pecking the order and then J.J. was uh, number three. Um, I honestly think, and again, it, it's just me you know, kind of looking at it, J.J. is more of a, a running-style quarterback. And in that, in that situation, you can't run the ball. You've got you've got to start throwing the ball and Barnes has got a, a little bit of a better arm, at least as of right now. Um, JJ can fling it if, if if needed to, but I just don't know how confident the coaches felt in him at that point in time in that game. Um, but Barnes is, is the one who's always putting in the, the uh, signals to Cam rising. Um, so basically Ludwig puts the, the calls down to Barnes. Barnes throws them into in the rising, and so he's very, very familiar with this offense, and I, I think that that played a big part, too, in uh, putting him in rather than J.J.
2: Trevor Allen joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. you drop a heartbreaker, 48 to 45. Um, give us the mood. We're going to hear the uh, post-game comments coming up here in a bit, but uh, I, I got to imagine there were some emotional <laughs> moments after – an emotional season comes to an end like that
4: yeah i mean as you guys can you know imagine these guys have been riding high for the last what two months um basically since uh, aaron lowe's passing um these guys have just been really unified um energized um and just really pumped to to, to play for one another and to have you know everything was looking good in that first half and and really, even in that, that third quarter, I really think things turned on that fourth down call where uh, Whittingham probably could have kicked it, but, but chose to go 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 forward on fourth down. And I'm not here to, to criticize anything on that, but um, I asked Britton Covey and Devin Lloyd after the game, their you know emotions, um, now knowing that their college football careers are over. And Covey started talking, but you guys know Covey, he's a very se- sentimental guy and and honestly got really choked up and yeah and, and you guys will hear that when you guys look, uh play back the audio um and you know Devin lloyd ended up having to finish talking for him and um you know two guys that have really put everything they have into this program and and they've honestly you know as they always say leave 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 something better than, than when you found it Devin lloyd and Britton Covey easily have done that
3: um So, Trevor, I wanted to see if you could kind of help inform Utah fans as to how things got so thin at corner that Mackay Bernard ended up having to play a lot of reps out there.
4: Yeah, I mean, so basically, um, I mean, now now that the season's over, I'm going to kind of just, you know, tell you how how it is. And, um, you know, we all know that uh, Clark Phillips has been, you know, a standout player. He he had a tremendous performance tonight against a team who he – originally committed to, and, um, you know, but on, on that other side, they, they, they've been really thin. Um, you think about Broughton, who was, you know, supposed to be the, the number one corner coming into this season because he was last year, but Clark Bills beat him out for that left, left corner spot, and, and then Broughton ended up going out in, in week two against uh, BYU, and then it, it was Fabian Marks' turn, and Fabian Marks is another young corner. Who uh, you know had showed, showed some signs of bright you know of being brilliant, and he ends up going out against the Arizona Wildcats, and then uh, never comes back. And and then uh, Zamaya Vaughn, who was a, a safety last year, was a walk on last year, and then ends up moving over to corner this year, and really play well. He, he he's kind of that uh, Josh Nurse type of you know real, really tall, um, has, has really good jumping ability. You know can can. And, uh really hold it down as far as out on the edges, and um, and then he ends up. From what I heard, it broke his leg, but I'm not going to sit here and try try to diagnose injuries. But uh, and that happened in the Pac-12 championship game at the end, and uh, so he was out. And you know you have you have a couple of guys. You have Elisha Lloyd, who is, is, a, is a former Washington State commit, flipped on signing day to go to Utah. You have uh, Pleasant Johnson, who who's been in the program for a little bit, but hasn't really shown you know, any signs of trying to be able to emerge among, you know, guys to be able to step in and play. And then you have Kane Savage as well. Those those are just really raw guys. And so Kyle Whittingham, Morgan Scully, Sharif Shaw decided that they needed to to see if, if if there's any other guys playing in another position who could step in and maybe take over that role. And Bernard played corner when, when, when he was in high school here in California. And, um, you know, obviously played running back but you know he kind of ended up playing two ways tonight but um you know obviously struggled at times but i mean jackson smith was an absolute beast tonight but you you've definitely got to credit him for for bernard for you know coming in um playing you know kind of getting the the arrest off and playing corner and you know it's been a while and and for him to be able to step in on on this bright stage, I mean, you know, credit to him for that.
2: Well, hey, we appreciate your time. Great coverage, great insight, more of it available for you at kslsports.com. But, Trevor, you killed it, man. Absolutely great work. Thanks for all you do.
4: Hey, it is always good to uh, talk to you guys. You guys are my my favorite talk show hosts. I always told uh, Jake and Ben, they they were they were tied for first with with you guys, but you guys are
2: just a little bit ahead of them. Oh, <laughs> see, you can get away with saying that at eight o'clock at night because you know nobody's listening
3: right now. No, I just know, Scotty, we're going to get an invoice from him. Yeah, it's that's going to be right. an invoice. <laughs> I'm, willing to, I'm willing to kick you
2: over a twenty dollar bill for that. Absolutely, yeah,
3: I'll kick you a twenty two for sure. Thanks, Trevor. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate
2: it. You got it, Trevor Allen, Sports.com. Really good stuff, man. Good insight, good analysis, and and you know PK brought up an interesting point where Utah just hasn't faced a lot of a lot of really good quarterbacks in Pac-12 play, and um, that can really burn you through the air like that. This is not a year where there's a Justin Herbert floating around. There's no, you know, Nick Foles or Andrew Luck or you know Barkley or any of these other guys that have been really good, um, and. Uh, it, it's been kind of a down year for passing quarterbacks. And Utah finally ran into one that could make them pay, and maybe that's something we should have talked about a little bit leading up to this game, was the fact that Utah went up against a quarterback that could really sling it and uh, and and really make their lack of depth in the defensive backfield really pay.
3: The, well, and it was the mix. It was the timing of it with the backfield issues. and Yeah. And C.J. Stroud is really good. He is really good. But I don't know if I've seen a college receiver, get to his position as quick as Jackson Smith and Jigba does. I could not believe how quick he got to his spots and how quick he would catch things in stride. I I, I don't want to take anything away from Stroud because C.J. Stroud was dealing. But that is one of the best receivers I've seen at the collegiate level. So let me just look at this. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, he ended the year with 1,000. Two hundred and fifty-nine yards, and holy moly! Okay, so three hundred and forty-seven yards tonight against Utah. That means that he strung together. He strung together one, two, three, four, five games over a hundred yards. Uh, he's got two games over two hundred yards and one game over three hundred yards in the last five games.
2: And he came in with 1,200 tonight, so he's going to finish a near 1,600-yard season.
3: Oh, was he he 1259? Yeah, he was 12 coming into tonight. Oh, okay. I thought that the 1259 was adding the 347, but that is just an incredible season for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right because he had six touchdowns coming into tonight. He's got nine touchdowns now. On the season with those three.
2: Yeah. Heck of a year for sure. Um, and uh, Utah saw him and uh, never really want to see him again, I'm sure. All right, All right. joining us now from Pasadena, Alex Carey, uh, kind enough to join us from the Rose Bowl. Alex, how you doing, man? Uh-oh. I'm standing outside
5: of. Uh... Can you guys hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Sounds
2: like you're. Uh... Oh, there we go. Sounds like you're around a couple had right, a few, just, uh, that have knocked back a few tonight.
5: Well, you know what? I'm actually standing right outside of where the Ohio State and Utah players come out, but their family all comes out at the same time, too. And so uh, the family comes out, and they're all they're all feeling it. And uh, it's been a parade of people uh, walking out, you know, singing the praises of uh, C.J. Stroud and Smith uh, and Jigba tonight because of how ridiculous of a night it was. Do you guys really think – I mean, add Chris Olave – and, uh and Garrett Wilson onto tonight like you're all you're trying to do is spread out the same yardage I'm assuming it's not like you're gonna that guy took over for all all those guys that were missing <laughs>
3: yeah, he did he carried the he carried the entire load hey uh, by the way it sounds like all of a sudden Ohio State fans do care about this Rose ball
5: <laughs> oh my god you've never seen like I mean honestly, there were some people looking around, going, "This is why we don't even want to be here." Like, look at when it was 35, 21 at the half, and when things looked down. I mean, they, they just weren't into it. But those big plays, every time you looked up, I know it's the same thing you guys were, were doing. I'm writing notes down, and then I'm looking up on the next drive, and you, Ohio State's already scoring again uh, in that first half. You know, on those big, on those big chunk plays, and then when you you go into the locker room up 14, you think, "Okay, they're going to make some adjustments," and Ohio State made them, and, and, and Utah. At that point, that, that secondary just went out of gas, man. I, I feel bad for those kids. They are banged up. Everyone's beat up, and they they definitely left it all out there. I mean, everybody did.
2: So I'm just pulling up the season stats. Uh, Garrett Wilson averaging 96 yards receiving a game. Olave, 78 yards a game. And Injigba, 104 yards a game. So between the three of them, they averaged 278 yards receiving a game. Well, you take the two off. And he still goes for 350-plus. So he's able to uh, not only replicate what all three of them have done per game, he exceeded it by a bunch. I mean, it was a special performance. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but overall, Alex, just kind of set the scene, man, because I think you've had a really good eye on what it feels like down there, what the atmosphere's is like. Um, did it end up being as heavy Utah as we thought it would be in that stadium?
5: Uh, 100%. You know, it was interesting is that before the game, I was like, this is a rip-off because they're not – Ohio State got away with the fact that they're playing a red opponent and they're going to be able to hide behind – you don't know how few of us there are in this game. But when it when it really happened was when they did the moment of loudness. And all the Utah fans know what to do. They turn on that light on their phone and you're like, oh, 80% of the stadium is has their lights on on their phone. It wasn't like they're telling their neighbors, hey – we do this in the, at the end of the at the end of the third quarter for this moment of loudness. It, Utah fans just click them on. It's part of that, you know. It, it's just what they do now. and They flip that light on. And when you saw those little tiny lights across those cell phones, which is an amazing moment. I was so glad they did it. They didn't do it right at the end of the third quarter like they usually did. But uh, when they took that first media timeout in the fourth quarter and they did the moment of loudness and played that video, it's hard not to, you know, really kind of buy into the, the that uh, that emotion. I mean, of, of seeing all that and and man, it was a, it was a, it was a special moment. There so many fans were in tears, you know, and and you saw the Ohio state sideline, like absolutely into the video too. They, they know that if something like this happened to their team, like it would be devastating, but that was the exact moment that I was like, Oh, this is the, this is the the disparity. The loudness inside the stadium, you could tell, but it was really when those lights came on for that moment of loudness and the Ohio state fans are kind of going, what are you guys doing here? And it was, it was pretty special, but I'm standing right under the uh, Rose Bowl sign, the iconic one that's now lit up in neon, and the palm trees are right out here. And a bunch of uh, sad Utah fans waiting for uh, their, uh, their players and their, you know, brothers to come out of there, their sons, you know, whomever to come out of the locker room here for that last moment. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was a heck of a season. And I'll tell you, just from a pure football standpoint, it was an amazing game. You know, I watched a kajillion Rose Bowls, and it was a freaking great football game.
2: Alex Carey joining us right here on 97.5, 1280, the zone. Utes lose this game, forty eight forty five. So sum up this season for Utah: wild success, disappointing ending. How do you uh, how do you put uh, when you look back on this campaign? How do you uh, how do you describe what we saw this year?
5: You know, anytime that I would talk to players, I'd say what what is Kyle saying? Like, not after the press at the press conference. What's he say in the locker room to you guys? Like, what's his message to you? And and I asked uh, I saw Clark Phillips after and I asked him that same thing and he goes we feel awesome about this season and then there's this, there, there there's already guys walking out of this locker room who are like hungry for feeling this again uh, the part about getting here and then and then and then putting a cap on it with the, with the wind somehow you know to get back to this Rose Bowl they have you know so little time in, in their college careers to do it. It has to feel wildly successful right now in this exact moment. These guys—I mean—they're banging their helmets on the ground, walking off the field. You know that—that feeling of an immediate loss. There was chippiness after the game on the field. They were still separating guys. Some are hugging and some are pushing. And and I thought, you know, (laughs) this is this is wild. This is how much these guys wanted to win this game. But you can't think of this season of anything less than, you know, definitely probably uh, in the top two or three. With a win, it would have been the best season probably in the history of the program. I think you're looking at the second or third best season ever in in program history.
2: Well, Alex, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. Great work. You and uh, Scott Mitchell killed it. Uh, PK, Trevor Allen, the whole crew down there, Nate. uh, Appreciate you guys uh, killing it and uh, look forward to getting you back here, all right?
5: Absolutely, guys. We'll see you back home. Good luck, Alex.
2: Alex Carey right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, take a break, come back. Hopefully we'll get some sound and uh, you'll be able to hear from uh, some of the players and coaches coming up uh, as Hans and I continue on. It's your Ute Game show. Utes lose forty-eight forty-five. You heard it all right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show as the Utes drop a game in the Rose Bowl. Man, that stinks. That really stinks. It would have been fun to say you had a Rose Bowl champion here in Utah. That would be really cool. A lot of people think, you know, you and I play favorites on this thing, and and honestly, I just think it's cool. You know, a team in Utah playing in the Rose Bowl. I hope you know here in the next few years you got BYU playing in a New Year's Six game. That'll be cool when BYU wins Mm -hmm. those games. I mean, it's just that was an opportunity. To really put this stake and uh, what what's really building here in a high level college football season, where you've got all three FBS teams with ten or more wins on the season, I mean that's that's a, that's been a heck of a year for sure for Utah.
3: Huge year for Utah, and this team galvanized, came together, and they stuck together. Nobody opted out. They played through it, and glad to see everybody get through it healthy. Scotty. If, people are out there watching this Ole Miss game Matt Corral who is one of the NFL's top quarterback picks for this upcoming draft he is now on the sideline he's using crutches oh no Um, he was taken to the tent it looks like it's a pretty serious injury and this is going to kick up the whole is it worth it to play in the bowls you know he's out there fighting his butt off against a number 7 Baylor team that's very tough and if this is an ACL I don't know what this does to him in the draft and I don't know if they feel comfortable enough with repairing ACLs that they still take him but I don't think that he will go in the same position he would have gone if he was healthy so if this is a really of all the things that really didn't need to happen in this bowl season with people opting out you're you're gonna have a lot of players pointing at this saying see i told you this is why you do not play and maybe that's the the case maybe moving forward that will be the case but it's hard to see matt Crow get injured
2: yeah that sucks that really sucks and uh i understand like say you know i'm on both sides of this and i know Kirk Herbstreet, and, and I know you're on vacation next week, and uh, it'll be a topic we'll bring up and, and uh, discuss throughout the week. But uh, Herbie, uh, Kirk Herbstreet, doubled down uh, this morning and said kids don't love to play the game anymore. They're not doing it for the love of the game and their teammates. Um, and, and, they're, and and the the joy of the game is gone. Well, okay, but who have they been – what have we taught college football players? I mean, we've, we've got coaches – who will, like Brian Kelly, who leaves his team immediately and and just has a five minute meeting and is gone and has taken the LSU job? Mm-hmm. You got, um, you got the guy at Oak, Lincoln Riley just bolting on his team. Did they finish the season? No, they they packed up and left. They wanted to get recruiting, and get to work. So these kids are watching all of this, and then we turn around and say, "Oh, you got to play for your t-. no." He, why? <laughs> yeah, that's what, what they're who saying. Is, What 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 examples are there of these that of of the we're supposed to these coaches are supposed to be mentors and and uh, teaching these young men how to be. And if if they're going to cry loyalty and and devotion to your team and then they're going to up and leave at any given moment. What kind of message? I mean, nobody's meant this is the message being sent to these guys. So I don't blame them when they have an opportunity to enhance or at least not threaten their draft stock to protect it as much as they can. They're going to do it, and more power to them.
3: It's a bad situation, buddy. Matt Corral, I think, probably would have gone somewhere between the 8th and the 12th pick would be my guess. And that's uh, about a $24 million contract, somewhere in that range. And let's say that drops him from 8 through 12 down to, you know, 28, maybe into the second round in the top 40s. Yeah, that's that'll take somewhere around 15 to 18 million dollars out of his pocket. Yeah. So it's it could be a pretty ugly fall for a kid that just wanted to show a little bit of school pride and play for his team. And I'm sure Lane Kiffin had him all juiced up and excited to represent the Ole Miss. And uh, you know, he did everything we as football fans want him to do. And now look what he's suffering it yeah. sucks.
2: Yeah, no, this is this is that's a bad deal right there. Yeah, it's a bad it, bad deal.
3: They, they that game just went to half, by the way, and and you can see it Lane Kiffin's wearing it pretty heavy and once Matt Corral the quarterback came out of the tent, his eye black was all smeared. And you could tell he was crying pretty good and uh, and that's that's going to be an emotional time, especially if they look at you and they say son, we think this is an ACL. Yeah. Or yeah, some we think there's a patellar tendon. It's That's some devastating news for a kid that was just talking to his potential agent this morning saying, and the agent's like, hey, are you sure you want to do this? And he's saying, yeah, I love this team, and, and I love this logo. And this agent's saying, okay, but you understand what you're risking. And there you have it, the first half of the game. Yeah. Something devastating happens.
2: Well, and, I th- the, and, and the sad part was he was asked about it all week leading up to it, too. Like, even the media was like, you sure you, you're, you're playing this game? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing. I want to play for my guys. I want to play with my guys. You sure? And it's such a topic. Like, every press conference, he was asked about it. So, there it's front and center in his mind. And now he's got to be like, oh, man, man. You know, in his mind, he's thinking, I probably shouldn't have done this.
3: Tip of the iceberg uh, on what we've seen this year. I was talking about that Penn State-Arkansas game I called the day. Penn State had – seven starters that opted out and i think that it's the tip of the iceberg i I think that now if players have aspirations to it potentially be a bubble guy a a free agent they're going to look at it and say well is it worth pulling my hamstring for a crappy bowl game well if it's not for a college football playoff or if it's if it's not for maybe uh, some some bowl game i've looked forward to my whole life then i'm just not going to put it I'm not going to put my body out there, potentially risk losing my NFL career. You know, I, I do think we're going to see more and more yeah. guys yep. stay away.
2: Well, I, you know, you remember when when it started to happen, everybody's like, "You, you can't, this can't happen." I remember Christian McCaffrey; I think was one of the first to do it, and everybody was just like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Remember uh, the Michigan tight end Jake Butt? Um. He he tore his, I think tore up an ACL in a bowl game, and I think that's what was one of the first players that you realize, okay, that's a guy that could have been a top three round pick, and and he fell pretty far in the draft and has never really had an NFL career off after that. So you know, it's it certainly is a situation there you got to take a long hard look at. Uh, Utah loses this game, forty eight forty five. What are your thoughts on next year's team? Uh, we're gonna have some sound coming up here in just a minute, um, and uh, but I wanted to before we kind of uh, move on and and uh, kind of put a tidy bow on this thing and hear from uh, the players and coaches, what are your expectations? I, I, you know, again, not knowing what the full roster is going to look like, but knowing a lot of the good pieces that are going to be back. Is this team back next year? I mean, is this team right there in the mix?
3: Yeah. I think they're going to be right there in the mix. I think there's good potential. They're going to be – well. I think there's a really good potential they're going to be picked to win the South this this upcoming Pac-12 media day. Um, you mentioned some of the seniors, uh, some of the guys that were expecting to see leave the program, um, and and there there are a couple that kind of bum you out, but and there's a couple of underclassmen that are are going to choose to lo- leave, but you'll get some guys healthy on the outside and. You'll find the depth. Hopefully you, hopefully you won't suffer as many injuries as you've suffered. You do need to find some quarterback depth. You know, I, I, I know that you got into a situation where you had to use your backup quarterback, and, and he came in and did what he could. But you, you can't get caught like that if you're two, three games into the season. You know, what if this guy has to now carry the, the rest of the season? So they're going to need to find – some good quarterback depth, which they can absolutely do in the portal. I'm not and, – and I know that they've got a couple of guys coming in that they're really excited about. But, man, Scotty, I I think that Utah should be in really good shape. You know, I, I'm sure Bam Ossini's probably gone. You mentioned Nick Ford. Um, we know Britton Covey's out. We know that Chad Fotheringham's out. Or sorry, Cole Fotheringham's out, but you've got you've got so much up, up and coming talent. Yeah, I think that they're going to be just fine next year.
2: Yeah, I do too. I I think they're right there in the mix. I I, I don't know what USC is going to look like, uh, but uh, with Lincoln Riley in year number one, but
3: they're, they're going to be that... overhyped. I can tell you that. <laughs> we know that. the one thing we all can rely on
2: oh that's true oh yeah I'm sure we'll we'll head down to Los Angeles in July and well the media's picked USC to win the Pac-12 South again
3: (laughs) never fails
2: no it does not um I asked Alex on it as well when when you look back on the 2021 Utah football season how uh how are you gonna look at this year
3: Pac-12 champions Kyle Whittingham's first Pac-12 champions. And uh, the the Rose Bowl is going to be a nice feather in the cap, but this team got hardware that no other Kyle Whittingham team has been able to bring home, and that is a Pac-12 championship. And going and just destroying Oregon to get it, doing it in grand fashion against what was supposed to be the cream of the crop when it came to the Pac-12. And I, I actually think they broke Oregon. Yeah, I do too. And I don't think Oregon was able to find their, their fix going into that game against Oklahoma and it ended up really looking horrible. And I, I know you probably have to blame some of that. We were talking about the unpredictability of coaches. You probably have to blame some of that on Cristobal taking off their head coach leaving. But, um, yeah, I man, I don't know, Scotty.
2: I don't look at this as... I don't think the end of this season with a Rose Bowl loss um, makes it a disappointing season for, for any stretch. I think this is where you you celebrate this team as your first ever Pac-12 champion team.
3: Yeah. It's your first Pac-12 championship team. Yeah. That's the way I, I look at it. and I think we'll have memories. You know, we'll you and I will be doing this in five or eight years, and we'll reflect back to the 2021 Utes, and we'll – We'll talk about the obstacles that they had overcome. That that is going to be a definite storyline with them losing teammates and how difficult that had to be for them. And uh, but it, this is the first Pac-12 championship team. That is how this team will be labeled. Bunch of tough guys on it.
2: Well, Hans, uh, you've had a long, long day there in uh, Florida, so I'm going to let you go, man. Appreciate all you do.
3: Appreciate you and um man, cannot wait. Uh I'm I'm going to attempt to find a place to join you on Monday, uh, for, for at least parts of the show
2: and That'd be great if possible. And
3: yeah, and, and see if we can get some things going Monday morning. Uh I'm probably out for the morning after.
2: Oh, that's all right.
3: <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks for all having right. me.
2: You got it. There you go. Hans Olsen right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time to take you to the podium in uh, Pasadena. Kyle Whittingham, Britton Covey, I think Devin Lloyd. Uh, those are your youths at the podium. Let's uh, let's listen in to some post-game comments. Okay, yeah. Should true face
0: the net? we much more uh, about that. He's football game. house Exceptional well, particularly on offense. Uh, quarterback is terrific. Sure statistically the best in the country as far as quarterback rating system. He moves his time. Um, proud of our dads.
3: Proud of our dads that uh, have absolutely nothing to add the head Bob and fought The uh, entire 60 minutes came up short. But uh, still very keen football history this year, year back to champions, which has never been done uh, for our program. So I'm doing the exact same thing for Rocky that the game pays
0: well. So make sure it's the season. Yeah, we're always disappointed with the game this afternoon. But that's how that goes. And so again, give all the credit to uh, Ohio State. And uh, they're very talented. Game. And uh, we just didn't have quite enough. We didn't take tonight to get the job So. Uh, Thank you, coach. Floor questions, please raise your hand the to you, please say your name and out with the next question. We'll start right here in front. on the of a was, there any using one or multiple? Yeah, we could have a ton the sheets, at least one done, but we now all we need to do is help
2: them across. All right, we're gonna get you some better audio. We'll get it posted up on our website, uh, and uh, probably we'll get it up there uh, a little bit, maybe uh, later tomorrow. But uh, you'll be able to hear some of that sound, but uh, not the best uh, quality audio. So we're gonna find a way to get some better audio for you, uh, so you can uh, really capture some of the comments made by Kyle Winningham and these players as well. Tough loss tonight. Utah drops this game forty-eight to forty-five as the Utes now. The season is now officially over. Hans and I will break it down for you on Monday. Uh, we'll also take a uh, closer look on what the season is going to look like, and we'll also take a look at uh, some of the other elements of what uh, of what the uh, what the landscape of the Pac-12 is going to look like coming up as well. So that wraps it up for us. Big thanks to Patrick Kinahan, Trevor Allen, Alex Curry, Hans Olson. That's been your Ute Post Game Show. Tough one tonight, forty-eight forty-five Utes. Lose in a heartbreaker. Uh, as we wrap things up, here's the montage of tonight's game, the story of how things went for the University of Utah, and the story of tonight's game. Thanks for listening.
0: Set, go! Another Ute game is in the books. Empty backfield rising delivers a strike. Puppy got it to the end zone. Touchdown Utah! As the underdog Utes strike first, impressive high tempo drive. Rising, wheel out, end zone, throw, fingertip catch, touchdown! Micah Bernard pulling both ways and making a spectacular touchdown reception. Takes the handoff and just waltzes in over the left side. Tavian Thomas rushing touchdown number 21. And terrific blocking up front. Look at Covey weaving his way. Look out, Britton Covey! Accelerates! Can they run him down? No, they can't. the Covey, yet another house call as a returner. This one in the Rose Bowl, 97 yards. What a memory in his final game at Utah. The 10. They got a lot play. Rising with some confusion just keeps it. And there, he's still got it. Rising breaks through. it goes all the way. Looking start has a beautiful conclusion. 62 yards. Looks left, throws end zone. Catch made. Marvin Harrison Jr. with a hat trick. Had five catches all year. Has three touchdowns today. Stroud watching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown Smith and Jacob. Are you kidding me? Greedy, the Greedy dance punctuates it. what a monster game. You can watch this sport forever. You won't see many better games by a wide receiver than this one. Team, orange walks into the end zone, he's yeah, got it. What a story from nowhere. Bryson Barnes comes in and leads Utah to a time touchdown.